Hi, I'm Kelly Cervantes, and this is Seizing Life, a bi-weekly podcast produced by Citizens United for Research in Epilepsy, CURE. Today, with the current situation amid the coronavirus pandemic, we are bringing you Seizing Life in a slightly different way. Instead of our usual setting, we are observing stay-at-home orders and social distancing by recording our episode remotely. In these unprecedented times, we are all challenged to adapt to a new normal. But for those with epilepsy or other medical conditions that put them in high-risk categories, there are additional challenges and concerns. Today, We're talking to Jessica Rosini and her mother, Beth Skolis, who care for Jessica's five-year-old son, Dominic, who suffers from a rare form of epilepsy. Additionally, Jessica has two other children, all of whom are at home during the pandemic. They are Zooming with us today to talk about navigating these difficult times with a special needs child. Jessica, Beth, thank you for taking the time to connect with us today. Um, And we are here today, we're talking about your son Dominic and your grandson um, and some of the amazing work that you've been doing and and basically about how COVID is affecting your family at this time. So uh, to get things going though, I'd love to just get your your origin story. How did epilepsy come into your life? Sure, so um, my husband Chris and I have three children. Um, Francesca is six, Dominic is five, and Christian is four. Um, So our Dominic was a happy, healthy, neurotypical little boy. And then right before his third birthday, he had his first seizure. Um, And in a two month period, he went from completely fine to developing four different seizure types, Mm -hmm. um, being placed on four different anti-epileptic medications, and having up to a thousand seizures a day. So needless to say, he had an extremely explosive um, onset. So that first year of his diagnosis, um, he was ambulance nine times, hospitalized 11 times, had to be emergency helicoptered at one point. Um, So he was eventually diagnosed with Deuce syndrome or myoclonic astatic epilepsy which I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's one of those rare types of pediatric epilepsies that presents with multiple seizure types and is notoriously resistant to medication, which we've experienced. So um, he was eventually placed on a medical version of the ketogenic diet, um, which has helped tremendously. It's really saved his life. Um, We just celebrated one year daytime seizure free. So that was a huge, uh, yeah, it was a huge. That's huge. It was, like I said, he was having seizures every 30 seconds, you know, at one point throughout the day. So yeah, so we're still working on the nighttime stuff, but you know, we are so grateful to have clocked that time, you know, a whole year without anything during while he's awake during the day. So yeah, huge accomplishment. Now, how have the seizures affected his cognitive and physical development? Yeah, so like I said, he was a totally happy, healthy, neurotypical kid before all of this started. Smart. Yeah, yeah, he was doing like 48-piece jigsaw puzzles independently at two. Like, it was almost kind of like freaky. We're like, yeah, so, <laughs> you know, he... He's um, going to be smart one. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, 
he, yeah, so now he receives OTPT in speech. That seems to be, um, his muscle tone has kind of been the, um, where he's been affected the most. Mm -hmm. Cognitively, we just had him reevaluated um, for his IEP. And cognitively, he still is on track. He's age appropriate. He was yeah. in pre-K um, this year until, you know, obviously this happened and school stopped. But um, yeah, he was on track as far as, you know, his cognitive abilities, which is, again, kind of a, a miracle yeah. considering, you know, the tens of thousands of seizures that he mm -hmm. suffered. It's really amazing. I mean, I can't even imagine, I mean, you know, having your brain reset. We had an epileptologist one time that sort of explained it to us because our, our daughter had, was having very frequent seizures as well. And he was like, you know, it's as if someone is flipping the light switch on and off. Yeah. And the time they flip it back on, you know, you're, you're a little disoriented. And, you know, so having that happen through those formative developmental years, I mean, mm -hmm really remarkable and so amazing that he's able to to still start kindergarten on on schedule which i'm sure yeah <laughs> i can't even imagine that's got to be so terrifying for you especially given you know you you didn't get to finish this school year in a school and now he's going to be going to a new school i imagine talk to us about that and sort of how your your fears and anxiety and how COVID has affected that. Yeah, so that's definitely one of the biggest um, hurdles that we're dealing with right now because you're right, he is going to a new school. Right now he goes to, um, you know, a private pre-K that's basically around the block from our house for two and a half hours. Um, and in our district, kindergarten is a full day. So, you know, he's gonna be going to a new school a full day kindergarten um, and our school district is so wonderful. My mom actually teaches in the school district. Yay. So that's definitely a leg up for, mm -hmm. for me because she's a special education teacher. So I kind of have some, you know, inside scoop on what to do. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, yeah, so the district is so wonderful and they were allowing me, I've already had a couple of meetings kind of prepping them for Dominic's arrival next year. And they were allowing me to come in and at the end of the school year, seizure train the entire staff, um, educate them about the diet and just kind of give a picture overall about him because, um, yeah, so, and obviously that's not happening anymore. So we're kind of, you know, trying to find ways around that and how we're going to proceed with, you know, with making sure that they're ready for him. That has to be terrifying, but it has, there's, you know, some comfort. Now, Beth, are you in the school that he will be going to? Or I am not. I'm in the middle school, but in my background, I have the early intervention experience and the people in our district that are doing it, you know, when Jessica and I met with them, there was a, there were familiar faces there. And we know that they're going to look out for him just like they do everybody else. Of course, of course. And, you know, you mentioned he gets PT and OT and speech therapy. Um, how are you maintaining, are you maintaining those therapies? It's not as if <laughs> you can get them at school or he can go to a clinic or you can have people come, people into come in the home. Mm -mm. We just are so fortunate to work with such wonderful people. You know, all of his therapists are just amazing. So um, we've switched over to, you know, teletherapy. So through Zoom, 
um, meeting with his therapist and just trying to come up with um, the best way to still, you know, access the services that he needs because he was just making such wonderful progress. We want to make sure that we're maintaining that. Um, and it's very different, you know, being home as opposed to it being a more structured school setting and the expectations are there that, you know, this is what he needs to be doing and things like that in that routine. So we're just trying to, it's kind of just the trial and error thing right now. Um, you know, it, it is going well as far as the teletherapy so far. We have to see, you know, if the novelty wears off with that. And, you know, it's kind of, and I know that other um, parents of like, of special needs or medically complex kids are kind of feeling the same way that now it's just a little bit more on our shoulders than we already have, you know? So we're kind of having to step up a little bit more. We have all these hats that we wear as parents of special needs children or medically complex children. So now we're, you know, we just put an, a PT hat on sometimes now, an OT hat, you know, speech, all of that. So you're know, just doing- You still have two other children who yeah. choose doing homeschooling and one I assume is just sort of- <laughs> Glue to your hip. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds age appropriate. Yeah. Um, how are you doing? I, because I, that was when everything shut down. I, I have to say that was one of my very first thoughts was thinking of all of the special needs and medically complex parents out there and, you know, seeing all of the, the parents of neurotypical kids get, you know, overwhelmed with homeschooling. And I was like, yeah, that's, it is overwhelming, but you add on to that the PT and the OT and the speech. You add on to that, you know, having to do um, telehealth with the doctors or, or, you know, having to ask for additional months of prescriptions with the, with your insurance. And, and it just, I could feel the weight and the anxiety. And so I just, um, first I want to say you, you're both superheroes and superstars and super moms. And, um, and I, I think Back about at you. <laughs> guys in this community all the time, uh -huh. uh, every moment of every day. Um, so how, how are you holding up? How are you managing? What, you know, is there any tricks that you've learned that sort of help you figure this out? Is your, is your husband home? Um, how, you know, how, how are you making it work? So no, my husband is, you know, considered essential personnel. So he is still going to work. Um, and like a lot of the things Blessing, that you, you have the income, but absolutely. then of you are by yourself. Right, right. Yeah. So yes, you're right about that. It is a blessing. Um, but yeah, the kind of a lot of the things that you said just with, you know, trying to access his medication and getting, you know, larger quantities of it to limit the amount of trips we have to make to the pharmacy and things like that, which means, you know, I'm sure you know those phone calls to insurance, which mm -hmm. turn into hours and hours of, you know, trying because to- you so much extra time on your hands, don't you? You want to spend your Nails time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, there's definitely that and the, and the therapies are different and it is, you know, and of course the obvious worrying about him getting sick you know, he's been, you know, the common cold has landed him in the ICU before to get supported breathing. So, you know, there's that worry there. And then there's the worry that if I get sick, 
because while my husband is wonderful, we're a great team, he's super hands-on, but all of the diet and the medications and the prescriptions, all of that, that's mm -hmm. all, you know, up here, that's, you know, yeah. that's my thing. I do that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to like, you know, create a Google doc with everything. If God forbid, you know, I would get sick or be out of commission, things like that. Um, but you know, it's funny cause I, I started to realize that I'm kind of doing better than most people I know. Um, as far as handling this. And I was really, I, I was thinking about it a lot. Like, why is that, you know? And I think it's because I, we've been here before, you know, at the, the blink of an eye, our lives changed completely. You know, we've, I've done that before, you know, not being able to leave the house. Like I said, the first year of his diagnosis, we couldn't leave the house. I had these three you know, small children and Dominic was seizing constantly. You know, we were stuck in the house for, for a year with that. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, I walked this path a little bit for, before in some sense. I definitely see a parallel and I found, you know, talking to other parents um, who are in similar situations as us, us kind of feel the same way. Like, this is like old news, sister. Like, you know, story <laughs> of my life, you know? So I can see that not to say that we don't face additional challenges because of, you know, the medical complexity of, of Dominic and, you know, um, you're just better equipped to handle them. You have I think, tools, the mental tools at the ready. That's what I said. I think I just am kind of adapted to, to crisis mode. You know, I think that I just am kind of like, all right, like, the, you know, this is what's happening. What, what can we do about it? You know, and just trying to, you know, make it, and maintain everything the best way I can for, for my family. So, um, like I said, not to negate the challenges and, you know, the toll on, you know, everybody's kind of, you know, dealing with things differently as far as this pandemic and the toll on mental health being stuck at home and things like that. Um, but yeah, I kind of just feel like I have some things in my tool belt that your average person or your average parent kind of doesn't have lucky for them, but <laughs> yeah. Um, Beth, are you able to co-quarantine? Are you able to help? How are you? I I am blessed that I can. As a teacher who does remote learning, I have some flexibility there. I have quarantined myself. There are no more walks with friends. My husband's retired, so he is home too. So we can go over and give a little. I go over and give a little support. I go nowhere else. I get my groceries picked up at curbside. So we're doing our part to stay quarantined, but it definitely does, I think, help that I'm able to go and support Jessica and Chris and those three angels. We're lucky. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I have to imagine, um, you know, just as being a mother yourself and being able to help your own daughter. I mean, you love those grandbabies, but at the end of the day, that's your, your baby girl who's managing this crazy ship that is I, uh, through a hurricane of a storm. Agreed. Watching, watching their struggles has definitely put a different layer on this for, for my husband and I. It, it's, but we could not be more proud of them. They rise to every occasion. I have never seen a more 
talented and just stronger advocate for Dominic than watching those two go to bat for him. The research that they have to do for everything because he is so rare is, and now like Dominic's getting ready to wean another med, it's, there isn't a whole lot out there for them. So watching them just delve into that and really look for the answers that they need is impressive to say the least. But we are so blessed. You know, we really have um, the three Fs. We have our faith, we have a super supportive family, and we have the best friends that will send TikToks to make you laugh or, <laughs> you know, what, it just, they come when, it, when needed. So I wanna dive a little deeper into how your life has changed on a more micro level with COVID coming into the picture and needing to quarantine. You have all three of your children are at home. They are spending more time together, um, but they're probably also seeing another side of their brother's epilepsy. Have they said anything to you? Do they notice things? Has it affected them at all? Yeah, I mean, um, definitely Francesca. Like I said, my daughter's six um, and she's in first grade. Um, and she remembers before the before epilepsy came into the picture. So she's very aware of, you know, that Dominic was fine. And now, you know, these are the struggles that he has. Um, and school was just always an escape for her. Um, like I said, he's been daytime seizure free, you know, he's running, he's playing, you know, he's a lot of ways a very typical five-year-old. Um, but you know, he did, um, the diet's very difficult for him. He suffers a lot of GI symptoms. He vomits a lot. Um, he recently in November had a G2 placed, um, because he just, he was already a picky eater before all of this. And now having, you know, mayonnaise based foods, 90% of his calories are coming from mayonnaise, butter, heavy whipping cream and oil. So it's not very palatable for an already picky <laughs> eater. Um, so yes, yeah, so he has a G tube now. So she's seeing, um, she's just home more and she's very, she's very sensitive. Um, and she's very in tune with, um, you know, my energy and my stress level. So I really have to make sure that I'm kind of taking care of myself too, because she can sense when, you know, if I've been up all night, you know, he, he's having a little bit of a rough patch. You know, he had six seizures the other night. So I was up and he threw up twice, you know, in an overnight period. So obviously I didn't get a whole lot of sleep. Um, but then, you know, she's there, all, she's not going to school. She's there all day to kind of see the ramifications of a sick brother, a tired mom. Um, so she doesn't always verbalize it, but she senses it and she can yeah. definitely pick up on those things. Yeah, those, those older siblings, um, we learned very quickly that Jackson could understand and heard a lot more than we thought he did. Um, and then he they, hears everything. <laughs> they do, they see it all and they're processing it in their own, you know, six-year-old way. But yeah, she did ask me the other day, she said, mommy, what if Dominic gets the coronavirus? 
you know, so, and I don't know if she heard me talking about my worry about that. I try and, you know, be aware and conscientious of what I'm saying in front of her, because like you said, they really do pick up on, on everything. You got to really watch it. Um, so, you know, and we've always just tried to be very honest as well and give her, like kind of equip her with information. So she's not left to kind of guess or wonder, mm -hmm. um, and tell her all of the things that we're, we're doing to make sure that that doesn't happen, things like that, and reassure her that we're being safe and that's why we're staying home um, right. and those kinds of things. That's so smart. Um, now, so you mentioned that Dominic is on the ketogenic diet. He is also on some other medications. Um, what is your, your medication process right now? Now, uh, you mentioned having some difficulty with the pharmaceuticals, you know, I, I, are you going into the doctor's office still? I, how are you managing all of that? We are not. We had a slew of appointments um, scheduled that were all canceled because um, some of them were um, like the neurogenetic clinic to kind of catch up on you know, because that research is advancing so quickly and he hasn't had genetic testing done um, in a while. So we were planning on doing that, um, a DEXA scan that would test his bone density being on the ketogenic diet for two years. Um, you know, that was canceled. We have our um, keto and neurology appointment coming up next month and there hasn't been anything said about that. Um, so I don't know, I think it just depends on what's happening. Um, as far as restrictions, um, I would imagine that we could, we could do it, um, you know, a video appointment for that, but he also gets frequent blood work, um, which is honestly my biggest concern, um, just based on the meds that he's on and the diet, we do have to monitor a lot of things. So, you know, he's, he's due for those, um, next month. So, you know, we, there's, that's just a conversation that has to be, has to be had with his doctors and, you know, kind of weighing the risk versus benefit. I can imagine how difficult that decision is, is going to be to have to make balancing COVID and just regular care of your son. Mm -hmm. Um, now I have also been made aware that you guys are pretty phenomenal advocates on your own. Talk to me about Dominate Epilepsy. In a world where there's so little that I can actually do for Dominic and there's so little control over epilepsy, we had to find something to give us and know that we were doing something to make a difference in the world. My state rep, Chris, Chris Quinn, is amazing. We have HB 1820, which on March 16th was to be voted on in the Education Committee at 1030. Um, that morning is when COVID shut down Harrisburg in Pennsylvania. It was heartbreaking, oh. but I know it, it's for seizure, seizure smart schools. As a special education teacher, I was um, totally unaware of the number of different types of seizures kids could have. I was unprepared and I have learned 
so much through Dominic. He has taught us enormously, but it also showed what a void there is in the public education system. Absolutely. So it is to ensure that school personnel are trained in seizure recognition and response so that our kids are safe. Just in my state alone, we have almost 17,000 kids who have epilepsy. And as a teacher, we're looking out, we're with them sometimes more, you know, more waking hours than their parents. So we want to make sure that everybody is prepared for that. And we had a, a rally scheduled for uh, March 23rd to um, State Rep Quinn also put through a resolution to recognize March 26th as Purple Day in our state. So we were rallying to do that. And we do a Dominate Epilepsy fundraiser for Purple Day. And such support comes out from family, friends, our, the vendors, donations come in and we were disappointed that we are postponing it'll happen and cure is is our heart now that's where our drive is we need a cure for dominic and for all the other warriors out there i could not agree with you more um i was gonna say kelly i'm sure you can relate to that to being in a situation where you just have no control over what's happening to your child. And one of the most therapeutic things that I have found to do is to, to help some, somebody else, you know, or, you know, raise awareness or raise funds. Um, it, it's so unbelievably therapeutic to just find something good in such a horrible situation. Mm -hmm. And now that's kind of, kind of gone with the things that we had to cancel, but then you came along and, you know, asked, you, you know, asked to talk to now us. You so. get to, now you get to share your story here. And I were just yeah. so thrilled. Like, you ladies bring up so many incredible points. You have such bright spirits. I, I think people, they hear of deuce or of infantile spasms or SCN1A. And, you know, these are rare disorders, but epilepsy in and of itself not is bad. not rare you know, one in 26 will be diagnosed. And, and these are the things that, you know, we have to remember and we have to keep our kids safe in school. And that starts with educating the, the teachers and the professionals who are in those buildings. And so um, I am crossing fingers for you that once we are on the other side of this and um, governments and schools can open their doors again, that um, I know that, that we will see the dominate epilepsy bill get passed and and that will all be in thanks to to you too. So thank you guys so much. Thank you for coming on and chatting with me today for being the warriors that you are. Um, we're just, you know, I'm sorry that you are a part of this crappy club, but goodness, are we happy to have you here. Thank you, thank so, you so much, much Kelly. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jessica and Beth, for sharing your story, insights, and advice on navigating these difficult days with a special needs child. At this moment, we are all trying to adapt to circumstances that none of us could have prepared for and remain hopeful in the face of the unknown. For those who have epilepsy or care for loved ones with epilepsy, this is their reality every day, wondering and worrying when the next seizure will strike, where they will be, how it will affect them, hoping they will be okay. 
Cure knows the only way to alleviate these fears is by finding cures. During these challenging times, Cure remains focused on its mission, on funding research that will lead us to breakthroughs in understanding and treating epilepsy. The work being done in labs today will bring new treatments to hospitals in the future. We hope you will be a part of our mission by donating at cureepilepsy.org forward slash donate. Your generosity is greatly appreciated. Thank you.